You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. What do you get from a glut of TV? A pain in the neck and an IQ of three. Why don't you try simply reading a book? Or could you just not bear to look? You'll get no, you'll get no. If you're not greedy, you will go far. You will live in happiness too. Like the Oompa, Oompa, Loompa, Oompa Dee Doo. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I am talking with Paris Themen, mostly known to people as Mike TV from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The film is celebrating its 50th anniversary release with a brand new Blu-ray. Definitely check that out, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Of course, I want to ask you about Willy Wonka, but do you mind telling me a little bit more about you growing up, and how did you get interested in acting? Well, it all started when I was born. No, it started actually when my sister, my older sister, uh, was brought to an agent by my classical musician parents. And they thought that they were just bringing my, uh, my sister in for to representation. But they said, uh, how about him? I was six years old. And then, you know, we said, sure. So I actually booked the first commercial I went out on. And uh, I had to sit at the top of a mountain of peanuts uh, for Jif peanut butter. And then uh, the second one, I was the only kid that could say crazy bubbles, bubble blowing bubble bath three times fast. Of course, being me, I said crazy bubbles, bubble blowing bubble bath. But uh, yeah, you know, I just started booking commercials left and right. And then I was on Broadway in a couple of shows. One was Mame with Ann Miller and another one was the Rothschilds with Hal Linden. And uh, he won the Tony for that. Actually, around the time I booked the Rothschilds, I booked Willy Wonka as well. And we had to choose. And uh, we went with the movie in Germany. And then uh, I, I was able to replace, uh, I, I, don't know whether, I don't know whether they booted the kid because I was back or whether uh, it's just an opening came up. Anyway, I was able to come back into New York and just slip right into the Broadway role. So I was just a working child actor in New York for years. I did it through college. And then when I got out of college, I went to NYU theater school. But when I was done with that, I just took a break and I started traveling with a backpack around the world and racked up about 30 countries by the time I was 30. And now I've been to 62 countries. I'm turning 62 in three days. So I seem to be right about on pace with my age and the number of countries visited. Yeah, I've just always had a sort of variety of either artistic things or businessy things and mixed it up and went back and forth throughout my life. 
So you had to learn all that stuff on the fly, like the singing, the dancing, the choreography, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I have musician parents, so they wanted me to play an instrument and I was rebelling. So instead of playing the piano or the clarinet, I was uh, singing and dancing. You know, when you're a kid, you're really just sort of pretending you're playing. It's just kind of an extension of that. I mean, every kid that's sitting in his pillow fort, they're acting, really. It's just uh, mine was more formalized. What was your experience like working on Willy Wonka, especially you're, what, 10 years old at that time? 11. Yeah. Very positive. Very good. It was, an, uh, I mean, if you're going to be in one movie as a child, I recommend that it be Willy Wonka. It had everything going for it. I'd never been to Europe before. Gene Wilder, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a singular talent, very funny, very talented guy. Other people like Jack Albertson, like uh, Roy Kinnear, particular favorites of mine, uh, both personally and professionally. I mean, very, very nice guys and super, I mean, I think Roy Kinnear is the funniest thing in the movie. Jack Albertson, very, very nice guy. Spent a lot of time with all of us. Everything's edible. I mean, whether it actually was or not, uh, the theory was that everything either looked or actually was edible. Music, candy, gadgets, amazing art direction and production values, right? I mean, the, the chocolate room and all the other crazy rooms that we went into, positive, all positive. So Gene Wilder isn't some sort of secret monster like Joan Crawford. No, sorry. I might, be, might, might make a better interview if it was true. But uh, no, he was really cool. Very nice. You know, quiet, actually. More quiet than you'd expect. But a very good guy. And obviously, like I said, a super talent. My personal favorite, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, and he was uh, one of the writers on that as well. It was like his baby with Mel Brooks. So love that. I mean, you don't need me to tell you all the great movies that he's been in. So uh, yeah, no... Uh, feels like every 10 years, they say like, hey, come on, let's do this. And you get together and now it's 50 years again. It's got to be just unbelievable that it was 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, I like to think of myself as someone who's sort of younger than I am. I don't exactly feel my age. It's been a ramp up. You know, there was not much going on with this movie for the first 15 years or so. And then right around the time they released it on VHS and it was very popular uh, VHS they started showing it once a year uh, on TV, kind of like The Wizard of Oz, uh, and it grew in cult popularity from that point. And uh, hasn't really flagged very much. I mean, you know, if you graft it, it really just seems to kind of go up and up and up. And like you say, uh, they'll do a Broadway show or an opera or a pinball machine or a, a gambling machine, you know, a, a one-armed one bandit commercials, Simpsons, Family Guy, American Idol, and their golden ticket. And it's just everybody seems to sort of want to grab their piece, you know. So when you say, how is it to, you know, you asked the question about us getting together every 10 years. I see the other kids from Willy Wonka fairly regularly. Uh, you know, if it isn't at a convention, then over this last year, it's been on Zoom calls and that kind of thing. We're kind of like a, a dysfunctional family. Uh, and I, I don't even mean dysfunctional personally. I just mean the characters were. Uh, and so therefore we are. Yeah, we see and talk to each other a lot. Uh, you know, there's some of my oldest relationships. I do have some friends that I know longer than when I was 11 and family members, but, you know, they go back. So it's also a lead into the reason that we're here. It's number one for the 50th anniversary. And the other reason is Warner Brothers has organized this because they're releasing a 4K HD release of the film. You know, it was originally on film, which is a great medium, actually. I mean, on gelatin, you can see a lot of what you originally saw. 
but it ages over time and it depends on how many times it's it's printed over and it starts to degrade i mean vhs you know it's kind of like seinfeld's joke about t-shirts where on they're sort of on a life cycle and every time you wash them they get a little bit worse you know so uh, vhs was absolutely that way dvd they were able to freeze it pretty good but every time they approach it and add more pixels or bandwidth or whatever the correct technical term is to the process there's more information on the screen and therefore uh, the lines get sharper, the colors get uh, more perfect. And uh, this is an example of that. It, it, uh, they brought me over to Burbank and I got to meet the colorist uh, and her manager who were working on this project. And we sat there for an hour looking at different frames and sequences and that kind of stuff. You know, they spend hundreds of hours just trying to make it right. I remember at one point, my wife who was with me pointed out the the black velvet uh, that's under me in the TV, in the giant TV. And uh, they hadn't really considered that because you can barely see it. But of course, once we showed it to them, they were like, well, now we can't unsee it. Take a look at it. We want to make sure that we don't make it worse than we, that's always their, their credo, right? They want to make it better, not worse. They want to make it truer to the original. So we're looking at that kind of thing. I'm looking at the, the, the tweed, you know, you can see the tweed. It's kind of like when video games get better and better. Bubbles look amazing now. Overall creates a kind of a 3D effect where you feel like you're looking, you can see the depth because you can see the variations in the color depending on the light, on the flesh tones and everything. It's amazing. Like you keep thinking, okay, this is as good as I'm ever going to see this film. Then you see it and it looks even better. So another thing, of course, is that Warner Brothers is coming out with the Timothy Chalamet project. So that's going to be a prequel. Probably, in my opinion, a better choice than just doing it again. It will invite fewer comparisons and it will give them a chance to explore uh, the backstory and the character development and Oompa Loompas and where they come from and all of that stuff. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen any of that uh, yet because it doesn't exist yet, but I know that it's real and it's happening. And uh, of course, I am looking on projects like that with special interest and a, I don't want to say a more critical eye, but anyway, I'm, I'm certainly more interested in taking a look and, and seeing what they've, they've come up with. Not to jump around too much. I know that our time is slightly limited here, but I have to ask, I'm such a Jeopardy nerd. What was it like being on Jeopardy? Being on Jeopardy was awesome. It would have been more awesome if I had won. I can tell you I tried very hard to win. The internet exploded a little bit because I didn't mention Mike TV and neither did Alex. Uh, it was written on the card. It was on the top of the card. The second thing on the card was I backpacked through 60 countries or 61 countries, whatever it was at the time. And, uh, and he went to that, you know, Alex is a, a travel nerd, but anyway, when it was like, people were like, was that Mike TV? Was that? So we, I ended up getting all this press because he didn't mention it. Paris Themen yes. from North Hollywood, California, an entrepreneur and a backpacker. In fact, an avid backpacker. Mm. How many countries? 61 countries. Holy smokes. On six continents, not yet Antarctica. Not yet Antarctica. Okay. The most exciting and satisfying backpacking you did occurred where? My favorite was Mount Everest Base Camp. Base Camp. That's yeah, good just story. Base Camp. You know, don't get me started on the question that I missed that cost me the, the whole game, but it was excellent fun. I am a board game geek and a trivia geek, and so excellent fun. And I was fortunate enough to be on it while Alex, Alex was still with us. So, uh, yeah, great experience. Excellent. Yeah, I rewatched the episode last night and I have to say oh, it was did. almost yeah, it was almost a little spooky having Alex back. 
Here I am, three questions from the end of the game. I light up the last daily double. Straight away for 16. Answer. Daily double. I guess you picked the right one. It gives you an opportunity to take the lead away from Zach. 5,000, please, Alex. All right, put you close if you're right. I'm struggling, but I'm in it. If at that moment I had bet it all and I had answered correctly. The south end of the East China Sea is the strait named for this island. And instead of thinking of the much less important island, which is Hainan, and could have grasped the name of Taiwan at that moment, I would have said the Taiwan Strait. And since I got Final Jeopardy correct, I literally would have won. So one question, and this is, you know, this is an allegory for life, right? I mean, it all turns on one wrong question in Jeopardy. You answered my next question, which was, do you obsess about your loss on there? I've always oh, been no, afraid I would all. go on. All right. Oh, not at all. No, I've forgotten all about it, really. I don't even remember. Was I on Jeopardy? You talked about how you quit the, the acting business when you're in your 20s, and you're listed as an entrepreneur. What have you done since then? I have worked for some corporations, right? I've worked for Walt Disney Imagineering. I was a show systems manager for them, working on Euro Disney in France. Uh, I worked as for six years as a uh, financial advisor at uh, Citigroup, Smith Barney. But then I also started some smaller companies, a few different things. Uh, for one thing, I go to conventions uh, sometimes uh, for my TV and I arrange my own schedule and do my own managing. For a while, I was uh, running commercial casting sessions in L.A., uh, shooting the video and directing the, the actors through the commercial casting sessions. Oh, I had a rollerblade business at one time. I had a uh, financing business that I started. I had a, um, a breath mint similar to Breath Assure uh, that I had. It was a product that I started. Honestly, I can't even remember all the things that I've done. Uh, I just, every two or three years, I would kind of get bored and want to break the mold and start something new, uh, you know, and do something else. Uh, for a while in the 90s, I went back and I was doing commercials as an actor. Uh, I have never been bored. Uh, I've always been interested in life. Uh, and if I wasn't interested, I'd change something. Entrepreneur, I think that's what I said on Jeopardy too, right? And tell me about the 61 coming on 62 countries that you've backpacked in. That sounds amazing. That's one that if you get me going, I'll just talk and talk. I mean, what I tried to do is go to the furthest afield places I could go. I went 500 miles up the Amazon on a small boat, sleeping in like a hammock, surrounded by you know locals also in hammocks. I visited the Sahara Desert. I went to uh, Fiji. I swam with sharks there. I uh, In the Amazon, I swam with piranhas. I am... Um, I'm an advanced open water scuba diver. I've parachuted. I've been to Borneo. Uh, I've been to Komodo Island dangling above Komodo dragons during their feeding time during the rain. And if I'd slipped, I would have been consumed by Komodo dragons. That would have been a good way to go. This is sort of the highlight adventure stuff, but 62 countries. I mean, you can imagine the number of museums and cathedrals and restaurants and that sort of stuff that I've been to. Uh, you know, as I think about it now, I don't usually think about it this way, but in the Victorian era, there was a sort of a collecting mindset, right? And actually, there's a negative side to that also. It, it, it invokes things like the Elgin marbles, right? 
so I wasn't going and taking sacred artifacts from these places. I was just collecting experiences, you know. I think that society is heading the kids, as it, as it were, you know, Generation Z or whatever. We're less about acquiring objects and more about uh, collecting experiences, I think, as a culture now. So I might have been a front runner on that one uh, where I just wanted to grab memories uh, all through my life and especially while I was young and could enjoy it. At one time, I was a year on the road uh, just with me in a backpack. I went to, I don't know, 14, 15 countries at that year. I did a blog. I did a video blog, a vlog, I guess it would be. Um, well, whatever. It was, it was still photos. But I gave written commentary and uh, led, you know, anybody who was reading the blog through that year when I was abroad. I kind of wish I'd done a uh, sort of a Michael Palin-esque or um, Anthony Bourdain-esque thing, but I didn't have a producer or anything. I was just out there on my own. Are you some sort of polyglot? I mean, how did you get around with the languages? No, I'm not. I'm not. That would be cool. I I mean, I, I... learned yes no here there up down where's the bathroom chicken in like whatever language i was at you know but i absolutely am not a polyglot and i um uh, just speak a little bit uh and maybe a little bit more french and a little bit more spanish that kind of thing but uh no not not like that i just did the best i could you know you learn to speak with your hands a lot you learn to it's like become charades at one point if i'm trying to communicate with you and I don't have the words, but I'm able to show you the concept that I'm trying to get across, then this is another tool for communication. So I used a lot of that too. Well, and I'm sure your acting background helps out as well with that. I guess maybe it might have. Yeah. And as I said it, I realized that, especially in Italy, right? (laughs) Mr. Thiemann, thank you so much for your time. This is such a pleasure talking with you. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to ask. Come with me and you'll be In a world of pure imagination Take a look and you'll see Into your imagination We'll begin with a spin Traveling in the world of my creation What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it. Want to change the world There's nothing to it There is no light 
life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. Simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know. Compare with pure imagination Living there You'll be free If you truly 